This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to episode 127 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I am Jerry and I'm joined by my beautiful Brad Tracy. Hi everybody. This is the first show of the new year, Tracy. I know, isn't that crazy? With the new year comes changes. Yep. First of all, I'm losing weight and there's the first change. Nice, you are. I'm very proud of you, sweetheart. Thank you. You're welcome. With that being said, the banter, such as that, will be kept to a minimum. <laughs> no, look, here's the deal. Um, we like to occasionally throw out uh, some posts on Facebook to get some feedback, and we look at our reviews, and we have had some reviews recently that were very critical of how long it took us to get into the story itself from the beginning of the show, and I get that, and we got some of that feedback from you guys on Facebook as well. So what we decided to do is make some minor changes in the show to try to accommodate everyone. That's what we're going to try to do, honey. So here's what we're going to do from this point on. We are going to try to get into the show a little bit quicker. We're going to do that by uh, like these show announcements for the live show, stuff like that. We'll put that off till later in the show. Mm-hmm. We are going to have at least two stories a show. Now, one of them might be... A lot longer than the other. The other one might be a really short story. Mm -hmm. But what that's going to do is break the show up a little bit. And in the middle part between the main show and the second story, we will be able to um, tell you about the upcoming shows and stuff like that. So that takes it out of the beginning and will allow us to get to the show better. People were like, oh, well, we like the banter. The banter is still going to be there because we banter back and forth on the show. And then we'll banter in between the Mm -hmm. two segments there and at the very end of the show after the second story that's when we'll do the patreon shout outs and the uh, itunes reviews Mm -hmm. so that way everything still fit in but it's split up a little more and we can get to the story quicker now certain things are non-negotiable for us first of all we're always going to thank our military and civil servants at the beginning of every show and we'd like to take the second to do that now so thank you to all of our military and civil servants all over the world no matter which country you represent absolutely god bless you all and thank you for keeping us safe Y'all in our prayers. And the suicide and depression awareness is a um, a must for us. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's the most important thing that we do. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that we tell ghost stories and we entertain people. And so many people like that part of it. But, you know, I, I feel like maybe a higher power has allowed us to communicate with so many people, up to 20,000 people a week. And if we can get somebody, uh, urge somebody to get help and they actually do because of something they heard from the show or from the group that Mm -hmm. we have, I feel like that may be the reason this show even exists. To me, it's the most important thing we do. No ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, I agree. So with that being said, if you're suffering from depression or uh, you just feel like that maybe you're a bother to somebody or you're just struggling with day-to-day life, please feel free to reach out to Tracy or myself. You can talk to anybody in our group. We're very supportive in there. 
Uh, or you can call the suicide hotline if you're in the United States, 1-800-273-8255. If you're more of a texter, then you can text 741-741. And we've had some people say they've used that line, the text line, and it was very beneficial Oh, good, them. good. I'm glad to hear that. So that's kind of where we're at. With that being said, are we ready to jump into this well, week's show? Let's go ahead and do it. So the first story we're going to talk about, and it's funny because we're actually going to talk about two haunted hotels in the same city. Well, how fortunate are they? <laughs> nice. Well, this city has a lot of stuff. So, you know, some cities seem to have uh, an absurd amount of hauntings compared to other cities, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about some of them on, on the show, cities like Louisville. Mm-hmm. I like to include in that group. Charleston, South Carolina, Savannah, Georgia, Alton, Illinois, to be such a little small town, has yeah, all kinds of hauntings. But another one of those cities that we've yet to touch on, which how we made it two and a half years without touching on it is amazing, Jefferson, Texas. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many people have suggested that we talk about Jefferson, Texas. And, and I'll be honest with you, it just never has made it to the list, and I have no idea why. <laughs> and once I got into it, I was like, my goodness, how did, how in the world did we just overlook this? Well, thank with you guys so many, for that. that with so many people telling us to do it and just, you didn't you know. even listen to what they say, babe. I know, I know. <laughs> so here we go. I thought we would share a few locations from this beautiful haunted city. And with that being said, we have to start with the most famous in Jefferson, the Jefferson Hotel. And that's the one that everybody seems to point out. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, you hear about Jefferson itself, but the Jefferson Hotel is the one that everybody that's made a suggestion has talked about. But I found another little gem in Jefferson that we'll talk about, too. So the Jefferson Hotel was built in 1851 and is one of the oldest buildings in Jefferson. It wasn't always a hotel, though. It was a very uh, up-to-date structure for the time, but it was built to be used as a warehouse to store cotton. What in the world? That's pretty cool. This beautiful building has changed hands numerous times, and in the early 1900s, it became a hotel, and it's been one ever since. Just think, if something happened, you'd fail, you'd fall into cotton, and it wouldn't hurt you. Isn't that great? (laughs) Yeah, I guess that really didn't uh, enter my mind at all as I was researching this. <laughs> so there's only 24 rooms in this beautiful Victorian-style hotel. And to be honest with you, it's very affordable because I kind of checked around at some prices and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's about $120 a night, even on the weekend. No, that's not bad it, at all. No, and if you look at the pictures of the room and stuff, it's got kind of a bed and breakfast type Oh, that look. sounds nice. And so I, don't, I thought it was kind of cool, but... Uh, if you wanted to stay there, mm-hmm. you're going to have to wait, though, because it um, closed down temporarily. Why? It's some kind of maintenance issues or something that popped up, but they said they're going to reopen in the spring. So oh. it'll be a couple of months. But each room's got its own theme and decor, and it's all furnished with antiques. Nah, love it. So back in the 1920s, the hotel was known as the Crystal Palace. So, like I said, it's changed mm-hmm. names and stuff like that. But it was known as the Crystal Palace. And it was famous as the place to uh, go dancing and listen to ragtime music. Nice. So I can I see it in, in my head. Back in the Roaring Twenties. Mm-hmm. I can just imagine people doing the Charleston sitting oh, yeah. there. I think it would be fair to say, Tracy, that most people have not had a paranormal event or, um, I guess, experience happen in their lifetime. Or people who have have had one, maybe two. Mm-hmm. I think some people have paranormal experiences, but they don't realize they're paranormal yeah, experiences because exactly. they'll they'll decide to say, "Oh, well, no, that was just this right. or was that." Mm-hmm. But 
So even if that's the case, though, most people don't realize they've had them. So the staff, though, at the Jefferson Hotel say that they have paranormal encounters weekly, even daily in some stretches. Yikes. <laughs> they definitely believe the hotel is haunted. Manager Alicia Montgomery said that uh, she was a huge skeptic when she first took the job. Mm-hmm. But at the time of this interview, she had been four years on the job and she has since changed her opinion, as you can imagine. So did it just happen at toward the end? No, no. Oh, okay. No, she just happened to be here for four years since uh-huh. since the interview was written. So she had a lot to look back on. Oh, I gotcha. She said she's seen things in the hotel that were definitely unexplainable. For example, she's been the only one in the hotel at times. No employees, no guests. And she said the front desk switchboard would light up like there was people in one room talking to another room. Oh, man, that would freak me out. She said that she's had dishes that would be moving. And this isn't because she saw the dishes, but she heard them clean. You know how dishes will kind of clean together. Well, not like us because we use Tupperware. And Tupperware and butter bowls and And stuff like that. They don't make make a lot of noise. (laughs) They don't. (laughs) (laughs) She said there was a payphone in the hotel. And it would ring sometimes. Just randomly. Who the hell calls payphones these days? Well, I don't know, but I would have went over and answered it just to see what's up. <laughs> Who this be? TV's turning on and off on their own, and she says she's also seen um, things fall there. Mm-hmm. Just random things would fall when there's nobody around or anywhere close to it. That sounds incredible. Now hold on, this is going to be a shock to most of you out there, but there's a woman in white. <laughs> <laughs> so you got most of the the regular ghost stories and and stuff like that at the Jefferson Hotel. You know, you got the jilted bride. Uh, the apparitions in the hallways, the sounds of children playing. We've all heard those stories. But some of them actually have some history and reasons behind them. Where in some places there's just there's no rhyme or reason for mm-hmm. it. These are actually kind of rooted in history, though. The main story there is about a young woman named Elizabeth. Now, she was a bride that got stood up on her wedding day in the 1870s. She hung herself from the bed that's currently in room 19. Poor thing. Supposedly, the room, uh, the groom never showed up, and she felt like she couldn't go on with life. Now, local historians think that she may have been pregnant. That would have been very disgraceful back in the 1870s to be mm-hmm. pregnant out of wedlock. Yeah, but, I mean, she didn't even give herself time to think about it. She just went and did it. I guess. Oh, think now it you, through. You probably noticed that I said she hung herself from the bed. Oh, wait. How does that happen? Well, that's a good question. And it's a little easier to do when the headboard of the bed is 12 feet tall. (laughs) And that's the case with this bed. So it was like the whole wall. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because, you you know, back in the day, everything had 15-foot ceilings. Yes. So they didn't have to worry about the cost of heating and electricity like we do these days. I'm sad she did that. She could have found another love. Now, Jody Breckenridge, she used to run the Jefferson Hotel. But now she's like uh, an operator of the, Je- the historical Jefferson ghost tours. Mm-hmm. So she's well steeped in the, the stories of, of the Jefferson. She said that it would be easy to write down, write, just write off kind of some of these stories as fantasy. But the stories have some, some historical and factual nature. She said you always hear about the woman in white or gray and all these different cities and, and uh, castles and hotels and stuff like that. But she actually found an old newspaper article about 15 years ago. And there was a story of in this one old paper, 
has said that the story of Elizabeth is pretty much a true story. Oh, wow. Now, Montgomery and Breckenridge disagree on a couple of things in the story. The details, um, such as the dates and the names, but the reality of the tragedy of the story is still, you know, remains the same mm-hmm. regardless. Now, Breckenridge says it's not a ghost story until you actually know what's behind it to create a ghost story. And she says that it happened in 1912, and the woman's name was Lydia Grigsby. Said her family was staying at the hotel, and, and uh, her fiancé sent word that he was not going to be coming for the wedding. She came back to the hotel, and she did hang herself. So you can definitely see there's a difference in dates and people's names and stuff like that. But the story is relatively the same, even though they happened 40 years apart from right, from what right. uh, Montgomery and Breckenridge say their timelines are. Well, I kind of figure if people or these women especially would start wearing uh, brighter dresses like yellow and pink, maybe they wouldn't be depressed all the time <laughs> instead of wearing white and black. I'm just saying, this is like a bummer. Well, don't you think? Sure, but you're gonna, but but you'll find that as we get into the later story, that this lady in white actually did wear white all the time in real life. But why? I don't. There's know. There's other colors in the world, people. Well, back in the 18s and 1800s, that like was Mall Ingalls even made a pretty pastel blue dress. We're not gonna bring up once again. Everything is not based on Little House and Andy Griffith. <laughs> Just prove it. Telling you a point. So even though Montgomery and Breckenridge. <laughs> didn't agree about the details of that story. They both do agree that there are children's ghosts in a hotel. Mm. They like to uh, hang out on the lower floors. They like to play practical jokes. And they like to move things. They sound fun. I bet they couldn't move that big-ass... Wildcat thing you got. Yeah. That thing's got to weigh 110 pounds. Oh, my God. It's so heavy. Anyway, some of the guests even bring toys for the children to play with, which is cool. They particularly like small objects like pennies, marbles, and keys. Sounds to me like they just want to give cheap toys. Yeah, well, <laughs> but back in those days, that's probably a big deal. Those types of objects are moved around fairly often in the hotel. And they've uh, even had a medium and psychics actually come there and tell them that, that the children's ghosts are from the cotton warehouse days. And they've been uh, around actually longer than even the ghost of Elizabeth has. Oh. Some people have even seen the children playing around in the hotel corridor. And when people tell Breckenridge that they saw the children, she always asks them what she looks like or what the kids look like before, mm-hmm. before she interacts and tells them anything. She just wants to see if they have the same description that other people have had in the past. So she always asks things like what they look like, what were they wearing? And then she compares that, like I said, with uh, other stories. It's always a little boy and a little girl seven or eight years old. The girls wearing a jumper, a white leotard, black high-top boots, and the boys always, he has on knee breeches. Ah, That's what they said, knee breeches. Nice. Nothing fancy, just what kids back in that day would have mm-hmm. been wearing. There's a housekeeper by the name of Denise Garza, and she said that she's actually had some personal experiences with the children. She said that you can uh, turn off the lights and then they'll turn back on. And then when you go back to mm-hmm. turn them back off, they'll shut off on their own. <laughs> and she said that sometimes she'd just say, all right, children, enough's enough. And they'll stop. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that the sweetest thing? There's another spirit that's uh, seen quite often at Jefferson Hotel. Nobody's sure who it is, though, but it's more of a cowboy type figure. Mm-hmm. He wears a big long duster type jacket 
His pants are tucked in inside of his boots, and he's often seen walking in the halls. Now, he'll turn into a room sometimes or look like he's turning into a room Mm -hmm. and just disappear. Because when people go down there to check and see, sometimes they'll find that the room he turned into is the door's wide open and there's nobody in there. And we have a story about that a little bit later with a little more detail. So Montgomery says that the hotel actually encourages these tales of ghosts. And they even have a journal that they keep down at the front desk where guests can kind of list their experiences. Not everybody who has experiences are happy about them. They don't like their brush with the paranormal. What if they're in there doing the nasty and and a ghost came in? Ooh, a ghost could watch you. And? Oh, you're into that, right? Oh, I'm not really... (laughs) I'm not really into that, but I figure... Yeah, wouldn't it be creepy, though? Maybe that's why they don't like it. Well, no, they don't. They just get scared. They they, she wanna... said she, they've had people leave in the middle of the night. Oh, my gosh. And they've had people go out and sleep on the couch in the lobby rather than sleep in the room. Well, you know the ghosts can come down there, too, right? Yeah, but I guess they feel like they're out there in the light. light. And not oh, in the that's room very true. Or... Yeah. Some people feel like they've, they've got been touched or they'll hear people, hear people talking to them. Like, they'll assume that it's their spouse. And then roll over and see that their spouse is asleep. Oh, man. That's creepy. Guests can request to sleep in uh, specific rooms that are have a reputation for being more haunted and more active than the other rooms. I actually found some of these stories that they released from the journals. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would uh, actually give you some of these specific room stories that were left. So we're going to start with room five. There was a couple that was asleep in there. Their young son Woke him up. He told him that there was a man in a long coat and high boots that wouldn't leave them alone. Wouldn't go away. Wouldn't leave him alone? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. They wouldn't go away. Room 19. It had an experience in there that involved a woman that was in there with her husband. She said that a petite woman touched her hand and it made her whole arm icy cold as soon as she touched it. The funny part is she woke her husband up and he told her to go back to bed. (laughs) Way to be sensitive there, Jack. Hell, no kidding. In room 20, there was two older women that were staying in the room. And they kept getting awoken in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. because they could hear water running, like from the sink in the bathroom. Yeah. They'd go in the bathroom, one of them would, turn it off, go back to bed, and... Just a little bit. Once they get back to sleep again, it would be back on again. Oh, how annoying. And they said that they had checked it to see if there was no drips. There was no nothing. They don't understand how it could have turned back on. Because they, be, would, yeah. they would make sure they turned it off tight. She'd be like, Mabel, will you quit turning that water off known? What the hell's Mabel? I don't know. Let's made it up. <sighs> room 24. <laughs> this room is in the very front of the hotel. Now, there was a woman... And her husband's staying in this room. She woke up at 5 a.m. She decided to go out to the hall and make some coffee. I guess the way this hotel set up, I guess they got all that stuff out in the hall. Mm, mm-hmm. She turned and she noticed that there was this nice looking guy in Western clothes. And he just started walking down the hallway towards room 20 and 21. But then she started thinking that she didn't remember hearing any doors open. She didn't hear any doors close. So where'd this guy come from? So she decided to follow him down, you know, to the end of the hall. She gets to room 20 and 21 where the the hall ends. Both of those doors were wide open and completely empty. And she knows she's seen this guy walk down. There was no other place he could have went. 
gosh. Mm. How about that? There's also a young lady. She was brought in. The owners had to go on vacation or something, and they needed somebody to watch over the hotel for a little bit of time. And I think it was during a slow season. She decides that she'll go ahead and watch the hotel for them. Well, she decided during this time that she was going to sleep in room 23 because it was downstairs and she was scared to death to be by herself. Mm-hmm. And there was one other, um, there was one guest in the entire hotel. Oh, yeah. That, I don't and know that, if I could do that. So she stayed in the room that was right next to theirs mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. She woke up about 3 a.m. because she heard scraping and banging sounds coming from the room straight above her. Keep in mind, the only yeah. people in here are next door to her. The next morning, the people in the room that was beside her, they asked her if she'd heard scraping and banging because they were awoken at the exact same time the night before. So both of them actually heard this thing. Some think this could be Mrs. Schluter. She was the woman who ran the hotel from the 1890s through the Roaring Twenties, back when they had all the ragtime music Mm -hmm. and it was Crystal Palace and all that. Mm -hmm. She was the one who ran the hotel. So some people think that her ghost may be the one that's hanging around when there's hardly any guests in there. So that might be who uh, Miss Montgomery mm-hmm. is hearing also with the dishes clanging and all that stuff. Room 19 is particularly haunted. Of course, that's the uh, room we were telling you where the infamous bed is at now. It's also rumored that a prostitute was murdered in that room. She was killed in the bathtub and died days after the wounds were inflicted. Mm. Obviously, it's hard to prove or disprove that account. And part of the reason is there was a fire that destroyed a lot of the records. Oh, so dang, dang, always a fire. I know. Always. According to tripresearch.com, seven ghosts occupy this hotel. So the question is, are you ready to book a room there? Yeah. Because, I mean, we're going to be right there in Houston for a show. Do you think the ghosts talk to each other? Well. I mean, they. I guess if they're there, they see each other in the hallway or something, maybe. What if they say, hey, man, who you wanting tonight? <laughs> oh, this this chick down in room 19. <laughs> what, you think they have a conversation like that? I don't know. <laughs> You've seen Beetlejuice one too many times. <laughs> so anyway, that's the story we've got that on the Jefferson Hotel. I want to go see that for sure. Because like I said, I kind of looked. It's not really close to Houston. Oh, but, if we, but if we got down there two or three days earlier, we could make it happen. Yeah. So... That may just happen. We've yet to even start planning our itinerary for that trip, and that's in May. Oh, my God, I know. What was that? I don't know. Something sounded like a door closed, and we're in here by ourselves. All right, we'll put this on hold while we go figure out what that was. Ah. All right, I have no idea what that was, so we'll just continue on. Hmm. Just weird noises in the house, as usual. Yeah, it sounded like a door closed, and there's literally nobody here. Okay, so housekeeping. On some stuff here. the We mentioned some shows. Of course, we have a, a show in Houston that's in May. And all these shows are listed on our website. So, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. You can buy tickets right there. See which shows we got coming up. We're going to be in Houston on, I think it's May 11th. I think is what it is. Four great shows there. Well, if you include us. Four great shows. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be three shows and us. Yeah, true. But we're going to have obviously have Tony Merkel. From the Confessionals, Wes from Sasquatch Chronicles, Dina from Twisted Philly, and our show, and then Andrea Whitney is going to emcee it and do some stuff. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. 
the main show I have to talk about is our very first show coming up this year, which is April 6th in Louisville, Kentucky. You guys are absolutely amazing because we picked the same venue we were at last year and it seats 55 people. It took us, we released the, the tickets the same time as what we did last year. And it took till April, a couple of days before the show to sell completely out. Mm-hmm. Um, this show was seven tickets from selling out yesterday on January, what, 5th, 6th. Mm-hmm. So we had to find a bigger venue. So we did. We found a new one. So there has been changes to that event. If you go to the uh, website, all that should be changed now. And you can check it out. But it's going to be on Khalil's on Dixie Highway rather than Roosters, and they seat 100 people. Now, we this sure is, did have fun times at that place, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, when yeah, it was yeah. something else. Yeah, it but. used to be a place called Wicks, and I actually, my very first CD that came out comedy-wise, that's where I had my CD release party at. Mm-hmm. So really, really cool, and then this place fell in our lap. So it's awesome. It's a private room. It's a, up to 100 seats. Uh, it's going to be phenomenal. So now we have a lot more tickets for you guys for the Louisville show that will consist of ourselves, we Drink and We Know Things, which is a Louisville podcast, a great husband and wife team. They're phenomenal. And Brohio. Need I say more about Brohio? And then we're going to top that off with Bishop James Long, who is a certified, one of the most recognizable exorcists in the United States. He's been on the History Channel, a bunch of these uh, paranormal shows. He is going to give an awesome demonstration. We've seen this before of demonic possession, the different stages of it. So you will want to see this. Afterwards, most of us are going to go to Waverly Hills and take the tour. Now, Waverly did something different this year that we weren't planning on when we set this up. They only have an 8 p.m. tour. Now, they used to have two of them. We went on one at 7.30 and another one at like 9.30, but they only have an 8 o'clock tour, which means only 50 spots were available to start. So not everybody who comes to the show will be able to get a ticket for this. And as we look at the uh, the ticket sales as of last night, they were already down to just 25 tickets left of the 50 tickets that are available. So if you are have already bought tickets to the Louisville show and want to go to Waverly, you need to go to waverlyhills.com and purchase your tickets for that as soon as possible or it will sell out. Uh, I'm going to call Waverly tomorrow and see if there's something i might be able to work out about getting another show now if you're coming down for the weekend they do have a friday night tour uh, that's eight o'clock so you can still do a tour of waverly uh, the night before but if there probably won't be one that night and the louisville show like i said it starts at uh, the new time by the way we're starting at two o'clock instead of three o'clock since we're at the new venue and uh, we want to make sure we give you guys four hours of awesome entertainment. So, anyways, that's basically it. Now, I want to give special thanks. We've got a listener in North Carolina. Uh, Lisa, you know who you are. So, I won't give your last name or your full address. But, anyways, uh, Lisa reached out and said, hey, I know you're upgrading your equipment. I'd like to really help out. And she wanted to make some big purchases for us. And... That was an awesome gesture. Obviously, we couldn't allow uh, any of you guys to to be so generous in an offer like that. I just wouldn't feel right about it. Tracy wouldn't feel right about it. But I, And I told her that, and she said, hey, you guys have helped me out a lot. And uh, even though I'm a Patreon supporter, I want to do more. Is there something I can do? And, um, you know, I just that just means a lot to us that, that you guys even feel that way. 
Uh, we did let her purchase a couple of the smaller items. And by smaller, it was still, you know, a decent, uh, hefty uh, chunk of change. So, I mean, I, I can't tell you what it means to us that you guys feel that way about us. Because, like I said, you guys already give us your hard-earned money at the first of every month if you're a Patreon supporter. And we use that money to upgrade equipment and stuff like that. But, you know, I just want to give special thanks to Lisa for going even above and beyond, uh, even though she didn't have to. Thank you, Lisa. All right. So you ready to get into this second story? Yeah, let's do it. I mentioned this was another hotel in Jefferson. This is called the Khan Hotel, K-A-H-N. We're not going to get into quite as much detail on this one as we did the uh, uh, Jefferson Hotel, but it is listed as one of the top 10 haunted hotels in Texas and that gives us two in Jefferson. So if you got two of the top ten uh, in one little city, because yeah. especially considering how big Texas is, that's oh something. gosh, yeah. The historic Con Saloon was actually built in 1865, so that's what it started out being. It became a hotel fairly recently, though, back in during the renovations of 2016 and 17. So it was a bar, a restaurant, that type of thing, all the way up to a couple of years ago. As a saloon, it had a violent history and. Uh, this was back during, I guess, when you could say the Wild West days mm-hmm. of Jefferson. And oh yeah, like so many saloons of the day, there was also a brothel attached to it. So Jefferson was a booming Riverport town at this time. This was right about the Civil War era. era and uh, the saloon had a few notable incidents that occurred during this time. One of which involved a local sheriff and a patron of the bar who shot and killed each other right inside the front door. And we actually have a little more detail on that one later. So we've talked about residual hauntings on the show in the past. And and maybe some of that is what's going on here. Because there's a paranormal group in 2017 that recorded sounds of gunshots. Oh, that's so awesome. Another incident involved a madam named Jessica. Unfortunately, her seven-year-old son, Andrew, was killed during a robbery upstairs. Both of them seem to remain at this location. Andrew likes to uh, play tricks on guests, and Jessica can sometimes be seen at the top of the stairs wearing a white dress. Another incident involved a prostitute who was leaving one evening. Unfortunately, she was beaten in the rear alley. She was able to drag herself just inside the back door where she died. Oh, man. Bloodstains will sometimes randomly appear at that entrance. They actually were photographed in 2017. Oh, my gosh. What would you do if you seen that? Like, if you were just standing there and all of a sudden that happened. I would call housekeeping and say, clean that crap up. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) There's another story about a couple who eloped, and uh, they came to Jefferson to get married. Unfortunately, the girl's father followed them, and the father confronted the couple in the rear upstairs area of of the bar and saloon area. As you would think, a fight started. His daughter, though, was accidentally knocked out the rear window. She fell to her death on the street below. Oh, dang it. Well, then the father knocked the groom unconscious, and he hung him from the rafters in the rear left corner of the upstairs rooms. Well, that is craziness. Grief. There's a spirit by the name of Billy who likes to hang out in that corner, and... Well, yeah, I mean, at least according to some of the paranormal investigators out there. He's also not real fond of visitors unless they're women. Mm. Go figure. So just to kind of give you the level of research that goes into this show, (laughs) 
there was an article that I was reading on the Con Hotel, and it said at the turn of the century that Haggard's Funeral Home used this location. So it was going on about, um, you know, how if it wasn't enough to have all this violence and stuff in the past, but there was also a funeral home there. Well, I didn't know what it meant by turn of the century, because that could have been the turn of the 1900s, or it could have been the turn of the 2000s. So what did I do? I called Haggard's Funeral Home in Jefferson, Texas, and I found out that Haggard's Funeral Home has been at the same location since the 1870s and was never in that hotel. Get out of here. Nope. Did you really call? Yeah. Oh, be- my god! Because I want, I want to be as factual. I know some of you don't believe that with the mistakes that I make, but <laughs> I want oh, to be wow. factual. So I, so I wanted to know, were they there in the, in the early 1900s or the early 2000s? Yeah. And turns out they were never there. Matter of fact, the guy, he knew a lot of the history of the, of the funeral home. And he was like, no, he said, uh, he said the same family has owned it from the mm-hmm. 1870s. And he said, we've been on this same plot of land from the time we started. He said, wow. there's been some changes in different buildings. Yeah. They connected a couple of buildings together, uh, you know, built like a little, mm-hmm. like a breezeway or something to mm-hmm. connect some buildings. Yeah. But he said, they, he said the Con uh, Hotel is a separate location and they've never been there. Oh my goodness. So I don't know where this information yeah. is. Yeah. But some just to, for the record, sometimes when I say something that's off, it's not because I didn't you know, it's because I've read information that was wrong and mm-hmm. unfortunately we get a lot of information from the internet and yeah. sometimes I try to get um I mean, you four or only, five sources yeah. that say the same thing so I can pretty much go. But in this case there was only one source that said that. And if I didn't if that would have said turn of the nineteen hundreds or something where I wouldn't have had to call I wouldn't have known any different and right. somebody would have called and, or sent us a message and said they were never there. And, you know, but, you know, we I try mean, to be as factual as possible. Yeah. I mean, you you only can go kind of by what you read, but right, I'm impressed that you called that place. That's really nice. <laughs> like when you call a funeral home, the last thing they want to hear about is, it's kind of a stupid question, but. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, the Con Saloon is also famous for being the venue where Vernon Dallert began his career. His version of the Prisoner song was the very first record to ever sell a million records. What is it? I don't know. It's called The Prisoner Song. I never heard it. I don't listen to country music. It's actually, um, he was the one, and that song was the one that kind of gave country music its start. So, I have no idea. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. You can look it up. (laughs) I don't want to hear it. (laughs) As far as paranormal activity, though, this is is very interesting. This is what I love about this story. This story to me, proves a lot. Now, skeptics are going to be skeptics. As far as this paranormal activity goes, there have been 300 paranormal investigations at the Con Hotel over a 10-year period, okay? Now, to show that some of the instances and and, uh, experiences that we've talked about here with entities aren't just like isolated events, check out some of these numbers. 75% 75% of the investigations out of 300 revealed that there was a seven-year-old spirit named Andrew in the house that drowned in the bathtub upstairs. Aww. Think about that. 75% of yeah. 300 all said the same thing. It's got to be true. It has to be. <laughs> now, Jessica, Andrew's mom, we talked about her. She was the madam. 90% of those investigations picked her and they say that she walked out of the bathtub upstairs and it was in the front of the building and she surprised the robbers 
And that's, I guess, somehow or another they killed her son because of it or Aww. whatever the deal was. He didn't but, do a dang thing now, wrong. She always wore white, so it's no surprise that she's seen in the afterlight wearing white, white. up at the top of the stairs. 90% also identified a spirit named Billy. Now, Billy's one of the more friendly spirits. and uh, But like we were talking about earlier, he likes to move some items around and he likes to make loud noises. Now, they say that, you know, like we talked about earlier, he's not real big on guests, except for the women. So he likes to do those types of things, especially making a noise and stuff, to keep people away from his little area up in that mm-hmm. corner. 50% identified a Captain Perry. Now, we haven't mentioned him getting the story, but he's thought to be one of the very first riverboat captains to dock in Jefferson. And because we mentioned they were a big port city. He used to hang out at the saloon and the brothel. He was murdered in town by a group of um, union sympathizers. So apparently he wasn't real big on unions, and these groups were, so they killed him. Uh, but he apparently likes to show up where he was entertained the most, which was mm. right there at the bar and the, and the, the brothel. They say that you can smell his cigar smoke sometimes, and that's lingering in the hallways. That's how you kind of know that he's around. Good memories. <laughs> Another ghost we haven't spoke about was Jacqueline. Now, 75% of these investigations said there was a Jacqueline and that she was a prostitute in the 1860s who came from New Orleans. Remember that we talked about the two men earlier who walked in, mm-hmm. uh, or who shot each other and killed yeah. each other, the sheriff and, and the other inside the front door. They were fighting over Jacqueline. No That's kidding. what instigated that. They're both buried in a common grave at Oakwood Cemetery there in Jefferson. And if you're a visitor there and you want to try to find a grave, it's pretty easy. The grave is uh, marked with two metal posts with a chain in between them. <gasps> now, Jacqueline supposedly became so distraught over the death that she hung herself uh, the very next night upstairs in the hotel. Well, it wasn't a hotel then, but you know what I mean. They say you can hear crying and moaning and sounds are attributed to her. Oh, man. That. Why can't they all just get along? <laughs> well, that's all that I've got on the Con Hotel. Now, if you're a Patreon supporter, I've actually got four or five little stories that we're going to talk about on tomorrow's show. Yeah. Well, it'd be Tuesday's show, but we'll record it tomorrow night. Man, that was a good story, babe. So, I thought it was a cool because the, there wasn't as much history on these, uh-huh. but there was a lot more haunting stuff. Yeah. But and, you know, it would have been convenient, though, to have that uh, funeral home right there. Yeah, it would have been. I mean, literally, just walk them on over there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, would you like to read our uh, iTunes reviews for this week, since you wrote them down, and I can't read your writing ever? I write so good, I don't understand. I don't understand either. I don't can't read yours for nothing. Oh, I wouldn't expect anybody to read mine. <laughs> All right. We have Alaskar19981. Bluto, 26101. Willie, 48047. UK and DeWitt, Rob McRob, Rob, <laughs> a.k.a. Big Turkey and the Fat American Dream. That's a podcast. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Check them out. Dang them, Brit. What's this? <laughs> Dang them, Brit. Liz, I think it's Ro- Dagum. Oh, daggum. <laughs> of all that people. Up. I have no clue. Daggum. Okay, I'm sorry. Hang on. Let me do that again. Daggum, Brit. How's that? <laughs> oh, plus, I can't believe I messed that up. Liz Rodriguez won the Semicolon Foundation, which we spoke about last week on our show, and Al Zareka. 
then whatever about him. Uh, our <laughs> Patreons is J.C. Wells. Boobies and newbies. Kind of like that. I love boobies and newbies. And John Hungate. Thank you guys so much. If I had a boobie, it wouldn't be a newbie. (laughs) No. (laughs) We love your all's iTunes reviews. Um, Love the Patreons. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't keep going without you guys for sure. We love you all so much. You just don't even know. Absolutely. And I'm going to throw this in. We're working on something, and I'm going to say we, I'm talking about a lot of people involved in this, that will be part of the show in probably March. So that's really all we can say right now. It's a little teaser, but uh, I know know every once in a while, if you're looking in the group, uh, Tim has put a couple little teasers out there about it. And uh, who knows, maybe it may be closer to the middle or the end of February, but right now it's looking like March. But mm-hmm. it's a project we're pretty excited about. And in the preliminary stages, it's I think it's pretty awesome. So I can't do wait. too. I was ready to start doing it like this week. And I was told, no, it's going to be like a, two months. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way I am. I like to jump on stuff. So anyway, guys, thank you so much. We appreciate everything you do. And uh, we love you. But, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. And go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com, buy your shirts for your upcoming shows, and buy your tickets for your upcoming shows, and uh, buy a shower curtain. (laughs) We love you guys. God bless you.